Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class John Valentine. Welcome to the Veterans Be Real podcast. Here's where we try to keep it real and do our best to help all our fellow veterans out there. This podcast will hopefully open our veterans' eyes into the transition and challenges they are facing and give them some guidance along the way. Please subscribe and download our podcast. We look forward to you, your insight, and your loyalty. Thanks for listening. And now, here's Veterans Be Real. Hey, good morning, everybody, or good evening, or good good afternoon. It depends on where you're at now. If you're listening here on the Veterans Be Real podcast, it's Sergeant Be Real. I'm here today with Andy Nelson. Now, this guy, 82nd Airborne Army veteran, all right, 505, 505, right? Was it 505? That's right. 505, yeah, they was in there. Yep. One of my best friends was in 505 back in the day in the, in the early 90s. So Andy is an Army veteran. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is an accomplished young man who's gone through the military and got a good career, and he, now he's an attorney, and he's got a whole bunch of stuff he's going to be talking to you about. So, Andy, the floor is yours, my friend. Let's hear your story. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it a bunch. Well, I guess my journey to where I am now really does begin. If it goes through the military, it began when I was a kid. I was probably not in, in your what you would call a military family, but my dad was an Air Force vet. He was in a missile silo back in the early 60s. His brother, his older brother, my uncle, was a, a 101st paratrooper when they were still an airborne unit uh, back then. So I was, you know, I was, the military wasn't unfamiliar to me. It was around, but it was, even when I was a kid, it was in the, kind of the distant past. So, you know, as a kid, I was like any other kid, you know, up in Washington State, you know, we one of your uh, things you do with the buddies around in the neighborhood is, you know, you play guns, right? Play a war out in the woods. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and then kind of my nightly routine was, you know, my dad was a construction worker. He got up at 4 a.m. every day. So he went to bed at 8, you know. So, you know, Andy's, you know, nightly routine was, you know, jump in bed with dad while he goes asleep and he watches, you know, John Wayne movies and that sort of thing. So I'm watching all that stuff as a kid. You know, I grew up, you know, of course, you know, right through middle school is probably top gun time, that sort of thing. All the, you know, the platoon, all these. So I'm probably rotating from service to service. You know, I'm probably like in Navy one week and, you know, Air Force another, Marines another, Army another. So, you know, I'm circulating. And then I get to crunch time. You know, I'm a, probably a junior in high school, right? And I get the call and it was, you know, the Army call. You know, a recruiter called and I, they probably, I don't know if they ask the same question nowadays or if they have the same lead, but I'm sure in the first five, 10 seconds is what are you going to do about college? <laughs> right. That was the question I got asked. And I, and I thought, and neither of my parents went, by the way, mom was a school bus driver. Like I said, my dad was a construction worker. And so I looked at the sky and said, yeah, I don't know. So I <laughs> asked my mom about it. I said, what are we, you know, what are we doing about college? What's next? I think that's the thing I'm supposed to do next after high school. Right. And I had no guidance from them on that at all. She said, well, I suppose we can maybe, you know, help you go to community college or something like that. And I said, okay, that's my answer, I guess. I don't know. So the next thing you know, I'm, I'm, this is up in Renton, Washington, going down to, you know, the Army recruiter's office. They're all in the same building. All the services are in the same place, you know, and I'm looking at all the flyers. And I'm, you know, I'm always enamored with this stuff and the imagery, all that, like, okay. It's been a while, you know, since I've really thought about this, but, you know, I've always had an inkling. I've always wanted to or thought about serving in one of the services. Yep. Army happened to get to me first, I guess. That's as simple as that. So I'm down in the office 
And I don't know if anyone remembers this, but in the late 80s, early 90s, the way that they, you know, the little stations they had to set up were these little computer stations with laser discs. <laughs> you know, they had laser discs. And <laughs> that, was, that was me too. We were probably yeah. in the time frame, man. They should pull those yeah. laser discs. I'm like, what? All right. Yeah. yeah, right. So you're sitting there watching like, oh, let me learn about the Rangers. Okay, you watch it. And okay, I want to, you know, select. I want to learn about this. You got to flip the laser disc, put it back in. You know, so I'm sitting there watching all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, of course, they, it doesn't matter what the MOS is. They're selling it really well. You're liking all this stuff. Like, this is really kind of neat, you know. And, okay, I can get college money. Average student, you know, I'm a, probably a, B, a B-ish student in high school at a public school. Okay, you know, I'm going to do this. I can get some college money. What do you want to do? I said, geez, okay, well, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to go to college. I don't even know what for. I don't know. I probably want to go to Washington, you know, University of Washington. My uncle went there. My grandpa went there. So kind of a legacy thing. So I'm probably going to go there, but I have no idea why really or what for. But, you know, I tell you what. So this is, you know, provide some college money. Great. I have no idea what it costs, but this sounds good. What do you want to do? I said, well, okay, look, if I'm going to, you know, I, I take the ASVAB. I don't top out on a thing, but I do pretty well where, you know, kind of all the MOSs are available to you. I think the one that they said, well, this is probably what you wouldn't be best for. I think, oddly enough, was a cook. I have no idea why. So I said, look, wow, I can go to Monterey and go to language school. I mean, all this stuff really sounds high speed. But I said, look, if I'm going to be in the Army just for, you know, three years, I said, I want to do Army stuff. You know, what I see is Army stuff. As a kid, what I see is Army stuff. So I want infantry. Yeah, I want to play guns and, in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I want I want to blow shit up. Yeah. Part of my friend. I yeah, want you're good, you're I good. want airborne school. You know, I saw the airborne video on Laserdisc, and it was awesome. And I still I can't to this day. I've been trying to find it on YouTube, and I cannot find that particular one from that era. If anybody has it, I want it. I want to see it. It was I mean, it was really cut well, and it, it, it got me thinking. I, I had to do that. So sure enough, you know, I, I, I as a junior in high school, 1990. I enlisted in the delayed entry program. 11X at the time, because it's unassigned infantry. Didn't know if I was going to be a Bravo, that time, a Mike, Charlie, whatever. Had an airborne contract, and great. I was set. So now I just have to go through my senior year. and get into, comes August 1990, Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait. <laughs> and I'm saying, whoa, yeah. Guess what's waiting for me at the end of this year? So here I'm watching a war on TV, you know, over the next several months, or you know, at least the buildup to it. As I'm expecting to go in that following June, you know, and of course the whole thing's over in uh, early 1991. So you laugh. I, I went in September 1990. So. <laughs> was that right? I was in basic training when the war started. Oh, man. Okay. I was like, oh, we're all going to war. Yeah. Right? Crazy, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so anyway, I, you know, I, I get done. Things, you know, everything's over. I fly out of Seattle in June 1991, six, seven days after I graduated high school. I'm on this plane. Only the second time I've been out of the state of Washington my entire life. Right. Fly across country, change planes in Tennessee, get in this little puddle jumper. There's lightning and it's you know storming. And I'm like, what? I get to Fort Benning at, it must have been like 10 or 11 p.m. at night. And it's like, you know, I leave Seattle, it's like 55 degrees in June. Get to Columbus and it's got to be, it's 11 p.m. late at night. It's got to be like 95 degrees, right? And I can smell the air, you know, you can, you can feel the air kind of wafting under your armpits and all that. I mean, you know, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. And I get there, we go in there and, you know, they throw us in the chow hall, give us a bunch of hamburgers or something. I have no idea. And I'm off to the races, right? So here I am on my journey at this point. You know, about a day or two later, I had a little bit of culture shock, I think it was. Once I lost my clothes on my hair, and I'm probably like <laughs> shaking a little bit going, 
you know, just, just out of my element, right? Passes, you know, I get through it. You know, it's, it's the drawdown. So, you know, we're starting to close a bunch of those. I think we used to call them starships, right? At Fort Benning, I think is what yeah. we call them. Mm-hmm. They start closing some of those down as the war is winding down. Get through basic. I picked a perfect time to go, right? June in Georgia. So I went all the way through the summer. Luckily, it didn't get recycled. Got down to the end of it. Went, you know, AIT, infantry school, you know, for those of you who don't know. Get to the end of roughly August or so. And next thing you know, it's on to airborne school. Although, unfortunately, you know, they had to wait till kind of the slots opened up, that sort of thing. So we sat there for three weeks, about 10, 15 of us, because almost everybody else in the company was National Guard and went back to wherever. And so we ended up shutting down some of those starships as they're shrinking the army, get to airborne school, get through that. And then next thing you know, I am off to uh, Fort Bragg, where I spent really just the, you know, the next three years of my life. Fort Bragg with some stateside deployments, a little bit of adventure here and there. Not a, not, you know, it wasn't a whole lot going on in the early 90s after the war. As a matter of fact, a lot of what I tell people is my life was a lot about cleaning, you know, and, and I think that's probably the... Buffer, you know, buffer patrol. <laughs> that's right, yeah, buffer. Buffer is everywhere. So I remember even in basic training, one of the drill sergeants even said, he said, you know, you guys, I don't know, one day, he's like, you guys think your life's going to be this and that. You know what your life's going to be about? Cleaning. <laughs> you know, it's going to be about cleaning. That's your army life. You know, what are you doing today? Nothing. Go down and draw your 60 out of the arms room and clean it. Clean your weapons. Clean it again. Yeah, it was so much true about that. But, you know, and it was even more true that first, those first several months, because as the 82nd came back from Iraq, you know, of course, a lot of their equipment came quite a bit later. So, you know, cleaning out pallets of batteries and this and that. But it was an interesting three years now. I mean, sure enough, I got the adventure I wanted. Jumped out a lot of planes a lot of times. Shot a lot of stuff, threw a lot of grenades, you know, went down to Panama, went down to NTC in California, if you like desert, (laughs) if you like that stuff, cold desert if it's November. Went down to, you know, just a little bit of, I guess, what we'll call present being present in New Mexico to, wasn't really drug interdiction, but, you know, preventing or encouraging others not to cross the border, that sort of thing, and steal cows and all that. So, you know, just poked around a lot of bit, had some fun. And I was done, you know, in September 1994, I, you know, some months earlier, I told you earlier, I was, my plan was to go to school. So I took that seriously the last year. I took a few remote courses, believe it or not, at Fort Bragg. One, I actually took from the University of Washington as a correspondence course. I think I took astronomy. So I'd go out, I'd drive out at night to some of the ranges and all that sort of thing. And I'd measure the stars and I'd write it down, send my homework back to some professor in Seattle. Professor would send me back comments. I mean, it was very eye-opening. It was interesting. Took some college courses on uh, Fort Bragg itself. I don't think I transferred, but my my, my five uh, my five units, I guess, from Washington did. But next thing you know, I get an early out, cup just a couple of weeks, and I pack everything up in my car, and I'm off back to Seattle. Took 34 days, drove across country, back in Seattle, and you know what do I do? I went right back to my parents' house. Is what I did. You know, parents welcomed me, so I had a, a place to stay. You know, got enrolled in college, didn't know what that was going to be like, but I hadn't really been a student, if you will, you know, at least full time in, you know, three plus years. So I didn't know what to expect, but I, you know, but I had a schedule, right? I mean, so, you know, in the army, I was accustomed to scheduling. Well, heck, I'm going to college. I at least have a schedule. I got something to frame my life around. And at this point, you know, I'd really been able, I was able in the army to develop my interests. I told you at the start, I didn't really know what I was going to go to college for, but over, you know, in the army, I... I started figuring out what my interests really were, what drew me. And it was, at that time, it was political science for whatever reason. And I was always, I realized even in high school, I was really a big history buff. So I liked 
that a lot. So things started to come into focus a bit. And, you know, here I am now. I've got, at that point, a three-year enlistment. I had whatever the GI Bill was, $10,000 and some change. And plus, you know, since I was infantry, I got what they call the Army College Fund. I don't know what it is now. The total amount I signed up for was going to be $22,800, as I recall. And somehow, during the three years I was in, they upped it. So when I got out, it got up to $24,500, something like that. So, you know, I got my college money set. Went to, you know, a public school. I went to, actually, I went to a community school first outside Seattle in a city called Bellevue, Bellevue College or Bellevue Community College as it was back then. Transferred over to Washington a couple years later. What was fantastic, you know, I took, I got, eventually got a double major in history and political science. Unlike in high school, I did really well in college for whatever reason. I think it's largely because I knew what interested me. So I could focus on what interested me. So graduated cum laude at Washington was part of was it Phi Beta Kappa, you know, which is kind of a national honor society, stuff I never even dreamed of. That's not me. I don't, I don't come from a you know, family of scholars or anything like that. But I did well, I mean, because I was motivated. I mean, I was really directed at, at that point in my life. And what was great is as I got toward the end, I burned off every last penny of that 24500 as of, I think, Washington ran on quarters. So second quarter was when the last I spent my last cent. So I think that Last quarter of Washington, I had to pay for myself, but that was it. And back then, I mean, we're talking three grand or something like that, maybe something like mm-hmm. that. So, so it's fantastic. So I came out of you know undergrad essentially debt free. And if I could just kind of back up a little bit, you know, I said I started school. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I said, look, I I can do this, and you know, what else am I going to do to occupy my time? And so I would suggest this to anybody. One, I got a part time job. You know, I was like, I could use a little bit of extra cash. Plus, I might be that's going to actually. Uh, get me kind of accustomed to be back in civilian life. I haven't been gone that long. I mean, being gone three years and frankly, you're kind of a civilian, you know, off hours anyway, when you're cruising down to the mall in Fayetteville or whatever. (laughs) um, You know, but what I did was I took a job selling shoes. I did that for four years and I did that at a mall. So, you know, I didn't, this wasn't planned out. I mean, I just planned to get a part-time job and get some money, but looking back on it, I go, you know what? That actually was helpful to me because working in an environment like that, yeah, I had coworkers and things like that, but guess what? I also interacted with people, all sorts of people every single day. You know, I'm selling shoes, which is, you know, difficult enough if you watch Married Children. You know, you can have some challenges doing that. But, you know, but you're you're interacting with folks. You're really interacting with folks. And I think that is good for your own self-development. Just, you know, learning how to really, you know, (laughs) interact with other, all sorts of people. So I did that. And one other thing I did was I said, God, you know what? And I can't believe in retrospect that I said this. I said, I got a little bit extra time. What am I going to do? So I went down at 21 at the time, and I became a big brother in King County up there. So I was, so I got a little brother who at that time, I was 21. My little brother was 16, so he was one of the older ones. I figured I'd be able to relate a little bit better to an older kid. And I had that little brother for, geez, four years, I think, something like that. And that's, I think that's, three, maybe it was three or something like that, but it's, which is, you know, way more than they expect. But it was great. I mean, I felt really good about volunteering my time. The extra time I had, you know, for what, you know, was really, really a good cause, I thought. So, you know, so I was, I occupied my time. I didn't just, you know, I spent my, sometime, don't get me wrong, I spent some time on an old Pentium computer, you know, playing Warcraft, the original Warcraft and stuff like that at times. Yeah, yeah. Five in the morning and that sort of thing. But, you know, I did, I did some other things. I explored, you know, I really tried to figure out what interested me, you know, what, what really drew me. 
course, you mentioned at the start of this that I'm a lawyer now, and so anybody who's thinking, anybody now might be thinking, how the heck does that get me to where I am now? So yeah, I don't even know <laughs> fully. So you know, once I got done with Washington or got near the end, I started asking that question, what the heck do I do next? You know, as I'm looking at this, a poli sci and history degree, there's not a whole lot to do with that. So what do I do next? And of course, you know, you know what you hear from a lot of people is, well, A, B, C, or, you know, you probably got to go to law school. That might be another pathway. And I thought, okay, well, I like scholarship. I like academia. So, and I do like politics. So maybe I'll not be a politician, but get into government somehow. So I thought maybe I'll get a law school. So I ended up doing that. I applied for law school, applied. I had a general plan, but not a specific one. I applied to, I think, 13 law schools across the country because I didn't know where I wanted to go. Maybe I'd accepted the six or seven. And, and you know, in the end, it came down to, do I go cross country again to Boston, to Boston University, or do I stay local on the West Coast, but kind of get away from home so I could hit the reset button to focus? And I did that. So I moved down to California into Sacramento, where I thought, hey, you know, there's a law school up there, University of Pacific, old California school. It's in Sacramento. So it's, you know, outside of DC, we're talking a, a big government. So there's going to be probably some opportunity there. And it's West Coast. It's not too far away from home, but far enough away from home. So, yeah. So I ended up there. Little buffer zone. Um, pardon? I said little buffer zone. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. After, you know, four years of, I thought, ah, maybe I'm a little too comfortable. So let me just disrupt things a little bit, hit the reset button, put on some elbow patches. At least I thought so. That's not true. But, you know, and focus on study again. So did that. And within months, I realized, you know what, what was drawing me, the policy side of the government was not. It didn't interest me. Lost interest, got to that first year. Plan was always to go back to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I started that second year, you start kind of taking your electives and things like that. And I, and I started getting interested when I took a kind of an intellectual property overview course and said, oh, what's this sort of thing? Oh, okay. Trademarks, copyrights, competition, advertising, patents. Like, okay, I'm not a creative guy. I can't draw for shit. <laughs> but I like this stuff. You know, I've always consumed this stuff as a kid. You know, I eat this stuff up. I like it. So I ended up getting lucky. And after my second year, law school's three years, after my second year, I got a, you know, basically an internship or what they call a summer associate position out in Silicon Valley, you know, which is just a couple hours west of Sacramento. And I got put on an intellectual property team, if you will, which is a litigation team, you know, dispute resolution. Most of their this firm's clients were insurance companies whose clients got sued for these sorts of violations. And then they appointed attorneys to help defend them. Did that, and I really, really loved it. You know, I, I, I've told the story before. My first case, I think, was defending a bunch of Bay Area 7-Elevens, 15, 20 of them. All of them got sued by Coca-Cola and by the actual franchisor, 7-Eleven, because they all had used a sim- the same supplier to supply them their cola syrup for their Slurpees. Problem is, they were branded as Coca-Cola. You see the little placard on this on the machine, Coca-Cola Slurpee. The right. syrup was some generic cola syrup, so they're passing off, you know, crappy generic cola syrup as Coca-Cola. That right there was a trademark infringement. It was a counterfeiting. It was unfair. I mean, that was the first thing I did. I said this, and I had a lot of Slurpees that <laughs> that summer as well because I hadn't had those in years. I said, let me, uh, yeah, let me test let me that. Out. Yeah. Let me test this. Yeah, this really tastes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So. You know, so I just liked that stuff. You know, I, I didn't have a, I mean, I had a poli sci history degree. I had no marketing degree, you know, nothing of that nature at all. No, you know, no science background. So you think patent isn't a good fit at all. 
but I like this stuff. So I pursued it, kept with it, got that, you know, that offer of that job, came back after I graduated law school, took the bar exam, which I never have to do again in either state. So I'm going to stay a California licensed attorney. And, you know, I took that job, stayed there a couple of years. And then, you know, there were a bunch of machinations, ended up down in Southern California in Orange County, where I've been ever since, since 2003. So, I've, you know, I've bounced around some firms, you know, two couple firms later, I, you know, have one of my biggest challenges ever. I flat out got fired from a job, which is, you know, the only time I've been fired in my life, you know, which is difficult to go through, that's for sure. But it was also, I guess, character building, <laughs> you know, and I realized sometimes things just don't fit, right? They just don't work out. So... So it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's been, you know, an interesting career now. I've been doing it 19 years and, you know, I've had some, some times along the way where I was just not feeling it. I mean, years of time, years, where I just didn't know what I was doing, didn't like what I was doing, you know, but didn't, you know, see any sort of alternative, you know, realistic alternative. But man, now I, I love what I'm doing. I really, really love what I'm doing now. Some couple of years ago, I kind of found myself reconnected to the military community, which I kind of largely put in the rearview mirror once I, once I ETS'd. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I did. You know, I found my, my old platoon. You know, we met back in, I think, 2011. We found each other on Facebook and decided to have a reunion in Nashville. We all, you know, seven, eight, nine, no, 10, 11 of us made it. And all of a sudden we said, yeah, let's, let's not make this a one-time thing. Let's do this every year. So we've been doing it every year since somewhere different. Right. And that led me to... Other online communities, you know, Vepreneur Tribe, Military Influencer Conference, other communities. And, you know, I realized, okay, I was only in three years. I wasn't a lifer. That doesn't mean I'm not part of the community still. You know, I, you know, I don't feel like a pose, you know, a poser or a pretender. I feel very comfortable there. And I love it. Love that. It connects with what I do now. Mm-hmm. It's great. So, but, you know, Nick, to talk about, you know, to back up really quick, because I've just been going, I know. Good. About challenges, you know, I feel a little fortunate. I don't know that my situation is like others because I really had a, a loose, it wasn't a defined plan, but I had a plan before I even went in the army. The plan was make it through. And don't get me wrong, I was tempted to reenlist multiple times. <laughs> I really was. But my plan was, you know, do it, get your college money, get out, be happy that you served, make some, you know, make some pals for life, which I found I did. Didn't know that until later we were all reconnected. And then, you know, move on to the next chapter. The next chapter was college. Wasn't, again, it wasn't a defined plan, but then I narrowed it down. So, you know, I let, I let my interests develop. I didn't have, you know, I guess I delayed gratification. I didn't expect anything right away. Life is long, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can take some time. And, you know, I would encourage anybody to take some time to let it come to you. Obviously, you got to go out there. You want to grab stuff. One thing I do regret in my professional career is I always thought if I just do really good work, then success will just come to me. You know, good things will happen. I now wish I would have, you know, been mentored by somebody else earlier on and say, the good things will happen, but you got to go out and grab them too. You got to make it happen for yourself. I've been doing the last three or four years and it's night and day. So I wish I would have learned that earlier. But, but, you know, early on, you know, if someone's getting out, if, you're, you know, if your plan is college or something else, you don't need to rush in there. You don't have to have everything figured out right away. And certainly don't be too harsh on yourself if things aren't breaking your way immediately. You know, you taste change, right? Interests do change, Uh, you know, and things you'll evolve. Anybody's going to evolve. Like I said, you know, I was sure I was going to University Pacific. I was going to be a government lawyer somehow. And that changed. I mean, midway through the first year, 
out the window completely. Not just, yeah, I'm not sure. It was out, 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 out. And I switched gears and I'm so glad I did. <laughs> yeah. Here I am. Sounds like it. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you're one of my, you know, of course we've known each other for a little while too. So that's, that's good. Cause we did meet through the veteran tribe and we did, we've conversated a few times about trademark stuff. Cause I've reached yeah. out to you about that and I'm still working all that. It's just a lot of paperwork and I'm not good with paperwork anymore. Y'all hate but, that. Uh, yeah, but I got somebody on that actually I gave it to somebody the other day to, to work that out for me. But so, yeah, so all you out there listening, I said, so Andy's got a great story. I mean, he, he came in with a mindset that he had a mission. He's going to come in the military service country you know, like you said, make some lifelong friends, do that. He was challenged, thought maybe he'd re-enlist, but his ultimate plan was I want to get out and go back to school and I have, you know, that, and he did it, right? So, and this kind of, I like to tell this to all my listeners out there, this is a big deal because again, even though Andy's plan wasn't set in stone and it wasn't concrete, he had a plan he had in his head. He even said he was tempted to re-enlist, but he didn't because his plan was initially to go to school and work his degree. So, and he even didn't even know he was going to get his degree in, but he still had a plan put to put in place. So all of you out there listening, if you have a plan set in place, like you heard Andy say, follow through with your plan. Don't back down. And he said, yeah, he learned some things. But we've also talked about this before on a lot of other podcast guys is find a mentor, a business mentor or a life mentor, however you want to look at it. Because then once you get a mentor, that mentor is going to help guide you on the path that he or she feels is where you're headed. So he can make you more, so he or she can make you more successful at what you're going to be doing. So if Andy would have picked up that mentor early in his time as a lawyer in the early part, he would have reached out and grabbed, hey man, maybe you need to get connected to the vets or maybe you need to do this and then it'll spice you up. It'll get you. And he figured it out on his own, thank God, because Andy has been huge in our, in our tribe and in, in the things we do, because he's a resource for all of us as veterans, no matter if you did 20 years like me or three years like Andy, doesn't matter because in there, we all treat each other the same, that we're all just veterans looking out for each other, trying to support each other. So think about that, guys, because the biggest thing getting out of all these podcasts is this. The one, the one thing I'll tell you from Andy all the way back to the first podcast I've done, everybody who had a plan had a relatively smoother transition than those that didn't really have a plan. You've heard some of the stories about guys going homeless for a little while, or it's because you heard their story. They didn't really have a plan. They just kind of either got forced out, they got out because they were pissed off at somebody, and they got out of the Army because they didn't like their sergeant anymore, whatever, but they didn't really have a plan set in place. So. Continue to build out your plan. If you're if you got a year or two left in the army right now, start thinking about: it. Do I stay in or do I get out? Have a plan for both. Have a plan for staying in and a plan for getting out. So if you decide to get out, there's something to follow through. Right? I think Andy Andy's story is perfect for that concept. That if you have a plan, you can work it out and it can be successful and you can you know grow. And I heard Andy; he's been doing middle lawyer for 19 years now. I mean, and he's I'm sure he's super successful where he's at in California. I mean, California, but I can't. Sliding too bad for that. But anyway, uh, you know, us Texas guys for Texas. We're not big fans of California, but that's okay. Yeah, I lived we'll in Washington for a little while. Tony so my, yeah, my dad was stationed in San Francisco for a little while when I was a kid, and then we went to Hawaii. And, and then my brother was born in San Francisco. So, I mean, he's from California technically. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to deal with that part of my life. But, what, what, but I think the best thing to take out of this podcast, guys, was Andy's experience was came in the military, did his job, was successful, didn't, wasn't a problem soldier, you know, just, just ETS and he had a plan. And then mm-hmm. that plan came to fruition once he figured out why he was in school. So it's a set play. So Andy, I want to thank you, man, for being on the show. It's been a great listening to you. But the last few minutes here, I want you to kind of pump out what we can do as a veteran community or a soldier, an active duty community, what we can do to support you, brother, that can show you guys some love. If it's just going to a Facebook page or checking out your website for your business or if you just, whatever you want to do. But I want you to take a few minutes to just kind of tell us as, 
soldiers and veterans, what we can do to help support you and your, your calling for what you're doing for the military. I appreciate that a bunch, Nick. You know, so the thing that I do mostly, I mean, yeah, I do legal work, but what I like to really help people understand, even if it's just education, not everybody needs my service and that's fine. I like, I mean, selfishly, me talking about the stuff that I do just keeps me current. And so I love spreading it around. That is great. And I will do that all day long, all year long. I want to see veterans, military, I mean, the military space, veterans, active duty, military spouses who want to get into business, they develop a brand, okay? And I want to save them, protect that brand. So I try to help people educate themselves on how to protect it. That doesn't mean the brand name necessarily, which are your trademarks. That is part of it, but so much more. It might be your products, which may be protected by patents or copyrights, or you have a secret sauce like the Colonel's recipe, which is, you know, see, all that reflects your reputation, the value bring. That is, all that is part of your brand. And so many people just have that stuff without any key on it. So I want to see people protect it. The place where I mean, I'm on Facebook, I think my handle is AR Nelson. Instagram is where I put out a lot of this stuff. You know, I put out examples, illustrations, and it's graphics. You know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not typically boring text. A Nelson 100 is where I am on Instagram. Follow me there. And then if I can just a, a, a parting word just to kind of italicize something that you said, Nick, you know, on the mentorship thing, I wish I had one, but, you know, I never asked. Okay. And I think that's partly probably because of my upbringing. You know, I had a very hands-off parents, you know. Two, I'm a guy. I think, <laughs> I think that's a guy thing. Three, a GI at one point. We don't ask for it or we're lucky to do it. We like to learn stuff on our own. Man, if people, people ask me for help nowadays and I freely do it. I rarely say no. So I'm going to think most people like that. So don't be afraid to ask for help early on. People will give it. I, you, don't, you think you're going to bother them. They got too much to do. Some will. They say no. They say no. There's going to be another source. <laughs> so ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Man, I wish I would have asked for help earlier on. Mentorship, guidance. I just figured most of the stuff out on my own. I got to where I am, but man, I could have been more successful. I could have felt more successful, I would say. And I don't mean dollar-wise and that sort of thing. I would have felt more accomplished, self-assured, confident if I would have asked for help and got some guidance from them. So ask for it. Do it. All right. And so listen to what Ang is telling you guys. There's like an old NCO, an old soldier. Don't be afraid to ask. The only question, the only thing, the only question never asked is the stupid question, right? But you, you got to ask and you got to look. If you don't know something, that's why I tell all you guys listening out there, if you're a vet or a soldier, Get on Facebook and look up Veterpreneur Tribe. Just look it up. Get in there while you're still on active duty because you're already a military guy, so you qualify. And then you can just put out, hey, guys, I'm thinking about getting out. I started my own lawn care service. Anybody got any advice? Bro, I'm telling you. You'll get a bazillion people who do that business. There'll be guys that work lawn care service. There'll be guys that are like Andy who just got experience working with people about their brand or about their logos. They'll jump in there and help you. And then, then you'll build that relationship and you'll get a mentor because one of those, two of those, I've got about four mentors from the Veterpreneur Tribe. Andy's one of them. I got Steven, I got a whole bunch of handful of guys, Robert, that when I need something, I just reach out to one of these guys and say, hey, what do I do here? And they always help me. No questions asked, they help me. And then some of them have a service. So sometimes I have to pay for the service, which I don't have a problem doing because I know they're not taking advantage of me because they're one of my mentors. They're just charging me what they would charge. So understand when you get into this world, when you're a civilian, there's a cost. First of all, there's a cost for everything. So don't think there's not a cost. Not that it should be absorbent and it hurt you, but there's always going to be some type of cost because everybody's running a business, right? Everybody's trying to make money and that's part of the deal. But the second thing is your mentorships, those relationships you build are going to take you through your career, your entrepreneurship, whatever you're doing. So just, Andy gave a great thing there. So you guys listening, 
pay attention because Andy is one of those guys on Veterinary Tribe. Is, he's one of those resources that all of us can eventually reach out to him for something because him, him having a legal background and then his expertise in his areas, because when you start a business, you got a logo, you got a brand. Like he said, you might have a secret sauce or whatever. And he's a guy you reach out to. How do I protect myself? You know, he'll give you all that insight and send you. He'll eat because he did it to me. He emailed it right to you. Like, here it is, Nick. Read over it, fill it out, send it back, and I'll work it. Like, all right. I just never get around to it because I'm too damn busy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to. So, you guys out there listening, we appreciate Andy being on. So, check his stuff out. Check his Instagram. All that stuff will be on our Facebook page and on our website and on Andy's episode clip. There'll be little links in there. You can go check out his Instagram thing, follow him, reach out to him, talk to him. If you're interested in becoming, you know, intern him and mentoring you, reach out to him. He's not going to turn you away. All right. So thanks for being on, Andy. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Nick. I really appreciate the time. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Hope you all got something out of this podcast today. Please tell a battle buddy about us and stay tuned for our upcoming podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at www.veteransbereal.com. Support us because we got your back. Till next time, everyone. I'm out of here. Oh,